Good morning, YouTube subscribers and listeners, and of course, you wonderful app listeners, and welcome to another edition of Texas Sports Unfiltered. I'm Bucky Godbold, along with, oh no, it's my doctor who's in the house today. Trey Elling joins me this morning as Brad Kellner, BK, is uh, doing the moving thing this morning, and, and welcome all of you to another edition of, as I said, Texas Sports Unfiltered, and that's right, unfiltered is the key word in all of all that. And good morning to you, Trey. What's up, Buck? Always, always a pleasure talking to you. How do I know? Well, you and I do this pretty much all day, every day without microphones in our faces. So to get to talk to the people, to uh, bring them into our sick, twisted worlds, well, it's always a pleasure. Even if it means having to pinch hit for BK, who, yes, is, I don't know, do we call him a temporary hobo? He's in between places right now, albeit for a handful of hours, though his apartment complex seemed to have had some last-minute issues that has his next home up in the air right now. Uh, He will be here in Austin starting this weekend. We're excited about that. It's one of those things where we're now two weeks into this deal, And I hear a lot of people talking about this. I interviewed Myron Roll about it a few months ago, the former NFL player who was also an Oxford guy, now studying to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. It's all about trying to find ways to get 2% better every day. Absolutely. Something. And I think that this channel has gotten 2% better each day and then some too, Buck. Or maybe a setback this morning, but don't. Let's 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 let that be seen first and or, and heard first. Good morning, first of all, to the soldiers at Fort Cavazos, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day, all over this wide wide world of sports and other things. Thank you so very much for what you do. We do appreciate it. It's not appreciated enough, but we do appreciate what you do for us. We appreciate your families for sharing you with all of us. Thank you very very much. And Trey, once again, I can smell the rain coming. I smell it a brewing out there in the Gulf. It'll be here next week. And we will, there's relief in sight for all of us in the Austin and surrounding area in the state of Texas. I know everybody talks about how it's going up to Northern California, see up in San Diego somewhere. We're going to get some remnants of Hillary. That's right. Hillary is going to come through, lock her up, but it is going to happen. She is going to hit. We're going to get some landfall in the California coast. But we're going to get a little bit of that right here in the state of Texas, I believe, by no later than Wednesday. No oh, later than Wednesday. La Nina is going to push a weather system to Texas that this unbearable heat is not going to burn it off before it gets to us. I'm not saying we're going to get total downpours, but we will get some precipitation. Okay. See, you're, you're already starting to hedge your bet like every weather guesser, weather guesser out there. Come on, man. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm saying there will be rain next week and by Wednesday because Wednesday is my first day of, that's right, will be my first day off after doing this for months on end. You guys have finally decided that old dude needs to have a day to himself, and I'll get that next Wednesday. I desperately need that. Hey, look, you uh, you take a lot of time off, but you also earn a lot of that's time. That's what I like. There you go. That's, that's right. What once said. I take days off because I deserve days off. Okay. That's how I, that's how I view that. 
It's hard. Yeah, look, we, we, don't, we don't want you to be working so much on this channel that you end up kicking the bucket a couple years earlier because we're going to have to figure out a way to, to just prop you up weekend at Bernie style. That's all right. Happen. We are going to stuff you at a taxidermist, and you're going to be the unofficial co-host of every show that remains on this channel. <laughs> at least to start them off. <laughs> that is great. Uh, last night, uh, Trey, I got a chance to look at a little bit of uh, preseason football. I wanted to do that because I haven't seen really any of it so far. And I, the Dallas Cowboys will play on Saturday night. Um, they play at Seattle, so they'll be in the greater Northwest playing Seattle, which would be a pretty good game. But I watched the Eagles and the Browns play last night. And I was really, really – I'm impressed by preseason and the way they get after it. I'm not impressed with the preseason fights and all the stuff that's going on in the NFL right now with these fights. And I know it happens. I've been around it. Fights happen – in, in regular season practices between between teams, you know, between on your team, guys get a little heated, a little excited. One guy's going at one speed, the other guy's going at another speed. And that's why you have to determine how you're going to practice, what you're going to do. Now, scrimmage is a scrimmage. I mean, a game is a game. A scrimmage is a scrimmage. Scrimmages mean you can't afford to hurt your own people. And when you guys are, when guys are doing situational scrimmaging during the course of summer practice, you can go fast, but you can't go to the level where one guy's going as if it's a game and the other guy's going as if you just started practice. And so when those levels meet, either guys can get hurt or one guy's going to get over-emotional about how the other guy is going. And it's ridiculous to see guys fight to the point that a coach got hurt yesterday. At, at yeah, that's not good. And look, you've got guys who have established themselves who are trying to take it a little bit easier because it is the preseason Versus dudes who are scratching and clawing to remain on rosters. And that's what you're or talking teams, about. Yeah. Contrast in styles. And I would maybe make the argument that the NFL needs these different things, except that we have uh, annual research going on to a different way of doing it. Actually, a couple different examples, starting in high school and then also the way college does it. You don't see college teams playing one another in preseason games. They do fall camp. Once fall camp is over is that first game of the year. And I realize part of the argument is, well, a lot of these teams do schedule cupcakes that very first game of the season. Sure. Sure. But there's also teams that don't. And by the way, the cupcakes are having to schedule the big dogs because they need that first game of the year payday that often comes with that beat down. So I think the NFL would be much better off by Scrap the joint practices altogether. I don't blame Robert Salah at all for canceling the second planned day of practices with the Tampa Bay Bucks. but the NFL should get rid of preseason games altogether. I know the new CBA allowed them to cut a game off of the preseason. You just right. need to abolish it flat out. Now, that's an idealistic way of thinking, Bucky, because the NFL makes far too much money even on preseason games. I believe it helps the teams out too. Obviously, it helps out uh, local TV partners as well and the NFL network and gives us something more to talk about. But if they truly cared about the players, they would completely get rid of preseason games and, and reconsider the idea of joint practices. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to get seriously injured in, in one of these deals. and Or or it just it, it just looks stupid. It, it, it looks it's, – it's a silly way to do things. As I said – I've never, I've never seen a player – I've been around football for 30-some years. I've never seen a player 
that's got into a fight in a football game. I've never seen a guy come out and and get in. You don't you're 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 padded up. It would be yeah. the dumbest thing to actually see somebody get injured because some guy took his you know some guy took his helmet off and then another opposing player from the other team slapped him across the head with his helmet. I mean it's it doesn't make any sense to me. You know we've never seen guys come hobbling out, but we did catch a coach who got himself you know, hit by some friendly fire yesterday for the Jets that was carted off. It's got to be the dumbest looking thing you've ever seen. Here's a coach who's trying to get into the middle of something. I mean, coach, first of all, I'm not jumping in there. I've never jumped into a, a fight. I've been in, I've, I've been around them. I will just yell and scream and I'll be one of the guys cussing at guys to get off the pile or whatever it is, but I'm never jumping into a fight. I never would. Even when I was young and healthy, I wasn't going to jump into a pile with a bunch of guys that are three times my weight throwing punches, swinging helmets, kicking that guys. I don't want any of that. And this guy jumped in there, Then they call it friendly fire. I call it stupid fire. That was <laughs> stupid fire for him to jump into that. Yeah, unfortunately, when you're talking about dudes who are that much bigger than you and also do have that added layer of protection, like you understand the guy trying to jump in to break it up, but – Sometimes the police have to stay back and let a melee happen and let a melee come yeah, to Let that melee go. Business decision there, you know? Yeah, they'll get tired out eventually with shoulder pads on. They'll figure, I can't really hurt this guy. I'm in here swinging. I keep hitting him on the side of his helmet. I keep hitting his shoulder pad. He's got spikes on. He's kicking at me with spikes. I'm not going to win this situation. I'm going to hurt myself here before I hurt the guy that I'm really mad at. You know, yeah, they don't you know, you know a good, what a good alternative might be is they just have a shotgun that's filled with blanks at every practice. And as soon as something like that happens, you just fire the shotgun in the air. A good gunshot will stop oh, everybody yeah. in their tracks. You're absolutely right. You're a, that is absolutely right. You take a nice 12 gauge and have it around the, the train where the Gatorade bucket is and the head coach goes over to it and they're doing and they shoot that thing up in the air. Dude, those dudes will stop. They've heard gunshots before. Believe me, they will stop right there. It'll all stop. A good shotgun have blast. Sort of Alec Baldwin situation either. We are going to make sure that the gun is filled yeah. with blanks so nothing bad happens. They will stop. That whole melee will stop right there. They'll start going for cover. They won't, they'll quit fighting each other. They'll start going for cover for sure. Great idea. Great idea right there. Oh, look, Shot. that's why I'm your doctor, and that's why they call me uh, Great that's Take right. Trey. There it is. That's a great, that is a great take. I love that, man. So I did watch, uh, I watched Philadelphia and the Browns go to uh, battle it out to an 18 to 18 tie last night. Love ties in preseason. Leave it that way. No need to play another single down. No, there, there's nothing to that. But I also watched former Longhorn Moro Ojimo get carted off the field with a neck injury uh, along with another Philadelphia player, which now they've got a total of about 10 neck injuries in the preseason. I mean, neck injuries. That's scary. That is yeah, that's our, a scary our, thing. Yeah, our thoughts are obviously with the uh, lifetime Longhorn, Moro Ojimo, and then Tyree Cleveland is the wide receiver who also suffered yep. a neck injury. His uh, looked a little bit more brutal in my mind, not to rank these things, but yes. uh, we, we hope that everything is good with both those guys. According to Nick Sirianni, after the game, uh, both guys had movement and feeling in their good. extremities, so that's uh, obviously a, uh, a a good piece of news amongst the uh, the awful video and the the scene that happened after the fact of them getting carted off and taken to the hospital. 
But that just gets back to what we were just discussing, Buck. Like, how worth it is it for you to make tens of millions dollars more in the preseason versus actually showing for once that you give a damn about your players? Well, I would. I would. Part of it's on the league, by the way. Part of it's on the NFLPA too. The NFLPA continues to agree to um, pretty rotten deals that shows that it doesn't actually have its players' best interest at heart at times. Well, I'm all right with one preseason game, maybe two at the most. Two is it for me, limit-wise. We're getting into now, I think, what do they have, four preseason games? We're at four. I think it's down to three now. Okay, two is fine. Trey, I would be, if if, if the NFL said two forever, I would be good. I'm like, okay, two games, that's fine. I don't need any more than two preseason games to get it going. You got OTAs. You got all kinds of times that you can get with these players. And, I mean, it's just the bone on bone. I mean, I've been to, I've been to NFL camps. And if you go to an NFL camp, it doesn't matter if they have – if they just go out there in, in their bodies and a helmet on, when they hit each other, the slap of that sounds like a college football game. Yeah. When, when guys have pads on. There's, there's a different thud to NFL players. When they grab you and hit you in the chest or hit you – in the shoulders, the sound of that sounds like a real life college football game. You don't, you don't, you know, the velocity in which they use their hands and the way they use their hands in the NFL is totally different from the way they use it in college, in high school. These guys' hands, they're talking about lethal weapons when they strike you with them. The sound of it is incredible. I mean, people would be surprised if they go to a camp and, and, you, they, and you look and you say, well, they're out there hitting pretty hard. And you look at and you say, well, they don't have any shoulder pads. They've got shorts and a helmet on. That sound of those grown men, you know, those 300-pounders slamming against each other with their hands and hitting each other in the chest is phenomenal. It, it, it's, but two games is plenty. I don't, I don't think I need to see any more. Hey, on the subject of fighting, I believe you and BK talked about this yesterday. I haven't discussed it just yet, and I actually have not heard the entirety of Deion Sanders' quotes. Do you mind if we replay that and uh, sure. talk about his stance on things? Sure. All right, here's Dion. Post Colorado fall practice fights in the last couple of days. He just fought. I seen two of y'all walking off over there, and you got to keep teammate fighting. What they do there? Nowhere. Nowhere. Not what they do there? Not Nowhere. here. In one fight, we all fight. You understand that? Yes, I don't want to see y'all walking off when somebody's fight. Yes, sir. Never again. I was in there, man. I love that dude that says, I was in there, man. Hey, coach, you got it wrong. I was in that. You got to be kidding me. I know it's a it's a camaraderie, culture-building deal for, for practice maybe, but it doesn't work in games. It doesn't carry over. That doesn't carry over to what you have to do when their guys, the officials with whistles and stripes on, when the stripe at nine or eight or whatever there is with those guys are on the field, you can't do that. So it's not good carryover. So if you want to fight at practice and do those things, and then when you get in the game and your guys, your stars are over there fighting in a game and they get thrown out of a game, not only for that part of the game, but a, a half of another game, I, I don't know what the message is there. It's just kind of mixed message to me because you can't do it in the games. And so you can't do it at practice. Why teach something at practice that you can't do in the game? You know, it's interesting. I wonder if Dion addressed that any further after the practice itself, because there is some nuance there. He has a point. If one of those guys' teammates on the offensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball, I I couldn't tell uh, which side it was there, 
But if you are turning around and walking away as your teammates getting into a bit of a physical altercation, that is also not a great thing necessarily. That shows a, a lack of camaraderie. But you also don't want to necessarily be throwing blows too. You want to be stepping in and protect your teammate. And you For do sure. that by de-escalating the situation versus making it worse. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can protect your teammate, but you don't have to throw blows when blows are being thrown. You can pull your teammate out of there. You can get him out of there. You can let the other team know that I'm a part of this. You're not just going to take advantage of my guy. But when it comes to the actual games themselves, you can't be a part of a scrum. They don't, they don't let you do that in football. You lose out. Your stars get thrown out of the game. Somebody may get hurt. Your quarterback, you know, your quarterback, if, if his son, who is the quarterback of that team, is going to be the start of that team, if he goes in there and tells his dad how I was protecting my guy and I just broke my right hand, my throwing hand, dad, you know what his dad's going to look at him? He goes, are you, he's going to tell him then, you must be stupid. Deion's going to say to his son, what are you, stupid? Why don't you just start throwing blows with your left hand? I mean, there's all these little nuances to Deion's coaching that, that they're okay for trying to build culture, but there's some, there's some sense that has to be in there too. Because like I said, his son breaks his right hand, his throwing hand, he's the starter. His dad's not going to put his arm around him and say, way to protect your, your, your teammate. He's then going to go into another Deion philosophy of, you should have used your left hand, you idiot. I mean, he's, he's he moves. Dion keeps moving the positions on the field. You know what I mean? He keeps moving the goal line, and you can't do that. There's 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 certain sense to everything that you do. There's certain things that you can build yourself up, but you can't break yourself down in the same way. He's he's trying to build, but he's breaking down in the same in the same vein, and that's hard to do. That's 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 a hard coaching philosophy to build on. And I think he's got to be careful as he continues to try to make the Colorado program great. He, I think there's going to be a lot. It's going to take them numerous years to get this thing going in the right direction. Then they may have a culture. It may not be a great culture, but he's going to have a culture nonetheless at Colorado. The Buffaloes are going to have some sort of culture and people are going to know and understand what that culture is. And the players on that team are going to know and understand what the culture is. Now, if they can live with that and not win games, and have a bunch of guys being thrown out of games, that's fine. If the president of the university, the AD, their fans understand that's our culture, we play rough, we play hard, we don't back down, but we don't win games, okay, fine. That's that's fabulous because our guys are sitting on the bench because they're fighting. If that's their culture and everybody understands that's what their culture is going to be, so be it. But you're paying an awful lot of money to a guy that, if that's what your – I think your, your culture is supposed to be about winning games and building – building young men. And sometimes you can't get into battles. Sometimes you have to turn and walk away from battles. You pick your battles and in order to have success, sometimes you have to turn your back and walk away. Yeah. I'm sorry, tough guys out there. That's hard to do, but sometimes you can't battle all the time. You just can't. You still have to defend your teammate though. In that situation, that's where I feel like there, there is a fine line where Dion needed to go in and, and, clarify things after the fact like i'm i'm not looking for you guys to throw punches necessarily get your teammate out of a bad situation have enough respect for that guy to stick up for him if need be but also to help diffuse something to allow him to refocus on what his primary responsibility is on the field and that's not getting right. the fights with the opposition that's executing the game plan whatever position you're at doing your damn job and Hopefully uh, you get the results at the end of four downs. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I, he's now been around football long enough. Not only is he a Hall of Famer, he's played in the NFL, 
but he's now coached for a couple of years where he was at Jackson State. He understands that after what he just said, that when they come in together and they have a team meeting, he's going to then have to clarify what he truly meant. That's nice for the cameras when they what they were doing, you know, during that practice and when he got back into the huddle. And in his mind, his he was very emotional about what he had seen from a couple guys walking away. But when he gets in a meeting, he's going to say, listen, guys, in a game situation, you'd be thrown out, you'd be thrown out, you'd probably be thrown out. I, I love your enthusiasm, but we have to be, we have to get our emotions to gather our emotions too, that we can't afford to lose five or six of you guys in a game. Or we all lose. Guess what? All the stuff that we're working for, all these practices where we get in these fights, they don't mean anything because we don't win. We can't win yeah. without you on the field. So well, I'm pretty sure he clarified that. This is causing me to think back to one of the all-time great cornerback wide receiver fights that Dion was a part of in the National Football League, by the way. Do you remember what I'm referencing? Him and Andre Risen. Oh, yeah, they Dion got into it pretty good, yeah. Niners. I mean, they were throwing straight-up haymakers at one another. Real football fight, yes. That was a real football fight. A lot of football fights have a, a ton of posturing, and unfortunately, uh, an assistant coach catches a stray from time to time. But uh, that was a full-on fight. That was like uh, Tim Anderson and the, uh, the the Cleveland Commanders or the Cleveland Guardians player the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was. Somebody could have got hurt. Yeah. Somebody could have got hurt seriously on that. Yeah, they were fighting. Hey, Bob, um, before we get into what the uh, Longhorns are going to do in their scrimmage tomorrow and what we hope to see out of that, other than everybody staying healthy, of course, do you mind telling the people <laughs> about Syntex tickets and 7-Eleven? Yeah, I love my friends over at 7-Eleven. Uh, Aish and the gang over there, they've got four locations uh, in, in, in our area, as a matter of fact. They've got one on Monterey Oaks where BKs will be hanging out by one of the dumpsters there. We know that. So when he moves in, move over, dumpster gang. BK's coming to town there. But I love that 7-Eleven. That's been my one of my favorites of all time. Also at BKs, and they've got one at Lake Austin Boulevard. That's my Monday night spot. When I go and play poker night, I stop by the 7-Eleven there. And they've got everything you need, all the drinks, the big gulps, all the stuff, the rotisserie hot dogs. They've got salads there. That's right. They have salads. And they have great pizza. But uh, they've also got one at Slaughter and Mopac with Aish uh, uh, as one of, his, uh, one of the sponsors. They're, they're, they're big sponsors for us. So they have four stores that are sponsoring our, our program. And we really do appreciate 7-Eleven. I appreciate 7-Elevens all over the place. That's, But those four in particular, and I love the one on Lake Austin Boulevard. Dude. It was right there by my Goodwill there for a while, but Goodwill has moved locations. I didn't realize that Sheesh had multiple locations, and not just that. He's in some primo spots, too. Oh, yeah. He's right, right there, the new HEB, right there at uh, Lake Austin Boulevard. There's a new HEB. He's right across from that new HEB. So, And not far, of course, for when you go over to – Muni to play a little golf and you decide that you're going to stop off and grab yourself a six pack because you're trying to sneak beer onto the golf course. Yeah. I understand what you're trying to do. Is Believe that not me, allowed at Lions? I haven't played at Lions in decades. Nobody wants you sneaking beer onto their golf course. They want you to be a patron and buy the beer there at a little bit of a jacked up price, but I got it. I understand it. Well, maybe yeah. they need the cart girls driving around a little bit more frequently. See, there's always an excuse. There's all, there's always a reason that you should stop off. You like my guys. There's always a reason to stop off and grab a six and bring it and put it on ice once you get there. They would prefer you buy your beer and your alcohol from the card from the card girl 
the card guy, the card dude, equal opportunities, whatever. They want you buying it right there at the clubhouse. Just like they want you buying your, when you go to Muni and you're wearing something like 34 wine and spirits, they would like for you to have a collared shirt. They have some of those inside that you can buy too. That's right for 70, 80 bucks. Spoiler alert. I'm not buying shit off of a cart, dude. Right. I'm going to have to buy my weed off the cart, girl, at some point. <laughs> give, her a, give her a break for sure. And, of course, our good friends at AB Consultations, Tom McKay and the gang over there. And as we get closer and closer to football season, where we're trying to finish this FedEx Cup and see who the champ is going to be, which I watched a little bit from Chicago yesterday. Don't go around buying your TVs or the surround sounds because Tom's got everything, the mounts, the equipment everything that you need, and they'll bring it out and fix it up for you. Audiovisual Consultation is one of the largest dealers of most television and audio brands, and they've got the hottest items. And, Trey, I always tell you, they're in stock. You don't have to wait around for weeks to get your stuff. If you want your Sonos equipment, Tom has plenty of that available for you. And the thing about AB Consultations, they're not jacking up the prices. There are people, some of the big box stores, when they get all their stuff in, they want to jack up prices. Tom's not going to jack up the prices on you. And unlike Wags, who's got some audiovisual stuff in, Wags still has plaster on the walls where he tried to put it up. Let those guys do it for you. Let them find the studs in the wall. Don't you try to hammer in stuff and have plaster all over your, your nice walls. Tom and Audiovisual Consultations will get that for you. 512-255-8678 or catch them online at abconsultations.com. And you, we, the big news we had yesterday was magnificent. And you're a part of getting all this stuff all together, Trey, with that that app that came out yesterday. How is the app working? I think it's working okay right now. I know BK is listening. He hasn't sent me any text messages. So I think we have everything firing like it should. And, you know, this just gets back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, finding a way to get 2% better each and every day. That is yeah. our goal with this channel. And in the beginning, you can – get a lot more than 2% better, but eventually we'll really hit our stride and we're already doing great things to begin with. But the fact that we were able to announce not just a lineup addition, but the addition of Chip Brown, who everybody knows, and then our guy Zay, who we are all huge, huge fans of. I didn't even realize that Zay interned with BK. Oh, yeah. With guys in the morning to really get into radio way back when. Uh, Zay is a guy that I've worked closely with at the previous stop, the uh, the band of, I don't know what you call them, band of liars, band of thieves. Um, but uh, through that bullshit, we actually had the opportunity, you and I had the opportunity to rekindle our friendship, and I'm so yep. thankful for that, and just work with other really cool people and meet new people too. And so Zay is in that category of uh, like my favorite people on the planet, regardless of whether or not uh, I get to work with them. So to have him as a part of this too is uh, I just cannot state enough how happy I am about that. Yeah. I have to call him like a little brother because he already has a father and I don't want CC coming after me. He raised this more like the creepy uncle. The, yeah. The creepy uncle. That's right. The one who shows up at the picnics and wants to take over the barbecue. And nothing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited to have him around. It, it really is. It's, I mean, to watch him grow, I've watched you grow in this business and then run off to Chicago, drink up, and then come back. And you've just grown in it. Uh, for Zay, he's really just starting in this business. But, boy, he's taken on he's taken on all kinds of roles. He enjoys doing it. You know, he's fun-loving. And, and, of course, as you said, Chip Brown. And 
we had quite the reunion on this very channel yesterday, and you commented about it, which I'm not all that excited about. I thought you were a little overboard in some of your comments about us all getting together on, you know, seeing each other. We haven't seen each other in weeks. Some of us haven't seen each other in years. I haven't seen a chip in years. And I was very thankful to see him live and in person right here on our channel. That's right. Texas sports unfiltered. I saw his face. I, I had a smile on my face. I was very happy to see him, but you thought we were a little over the top, huh? I didn't say anything negative about it. I told BK yesterday on the midday show that I was listening in the gym and I was cracking up at parts. And then at the end there, it got extremely sentimental. I mean, you guys were really spreading the love around. I mean, it felt like a bit of a, a verbal elephant walk that was going oh. on at the end of you guys. A couple, couple, reach, couple reach arounds was there? That, by the way, I found myself a little bit jealous that I wasn't a part of all that love. You wanted to join that reach around, did you? The trunk around? Really? Say anything about reach arounds. We're just talking about walking in a circle like elephants, having <laughs> the trunk in front of you. Wow, it was good. That was good stuff yesterday. I'm, it's good. It's good to have everybody on board, and and I I don't think we're done. I don't think we're done. We got some we got some spaces for play, people to get into those places for sure. I'm excited about that, and I'm just I'm, I'm excited about this group. I'm excited about these shows, and you know, as we build on and our sponsorship continues to build on as we get close to five thousand subscribers right now. We're going to do some special things and. Um, it's just exciting. It's, it's exciting to have your own business. It, you know, I've never been since I last time I was a part of a business. It was my paper route. And I was not a good business kid at that time. When I quit that job, I just threw the papers up in the air and said, screw this shit and walked away <laughs> in Pennsylvania. That's how I left that last. My oh, last. That right. Oh, yeah. I, it was Sunday. The wind was howling. I had to call for more papers. They came late. People are standing there with their hands on their hips like at a golf course, like, where the hell's my Sunday paper at? You're two hours late. Oh, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I was a quitter. I quit that deal. This is totally different. This I was I was a young kid. I didn't know I had no business sense. I just knew carrying two bags over my shoulders, walking through snow and heat and trying to ride a bicycle at times with a Sunday paper. And no, I didn't have the father that had the station wagon that helped me out. On a Sunday, he said, get your ass out there with your two bags and deliver those deliver those papers. And I quit. Yes, I did. I quit. I feel like everybody needs to have at least one of those moments in your life. You don't want to do it too deep into your life because at some point you are the problem. But I had one of those from childhood also. Look, everybody knows about what happened when I left the zone and the story behind that because I lit that place on fire on the morning show that you were a part of at the time, you were a little bit nervous when you handed it off to me for my goodbye. And uh, well, your intuition was correct there, my friend. But the yeah. reason why I did that is because that place had completely ignored what the employees of the station was begging management not to do. And that was bring a guy on as program director that nobody wanted there. And so uh, to watch them disrespect everybody who was still going to be there. And then they disrespected Kevin Dunn also, who is going to contribute for a Longhorn Insider site and was also planning on leaving in the not-too-distant future. They just flat-out 
didn't allow him back in the building at a certain point. And it was completely unnecessary. But sadly, the way that Clear Channel did business at the time, I was like, all right, well, I guess it's time for you to get your comeuppance now. And I've always been great at goodbyes, Bucky. But the job that I had, and maybe people watching on YouTube right now can weigh in if they had a, a situation like this, like you just saying, fuck it with the newspapers. Poof. I was, wor- I was working for uh, a golf course as a uh, golf cart wrangler, essentially. I'm not going to. Oh, you were a wrangler, cart wrangler. I'm not going to call myself a cart boy because I wasn't <laughs> uh, being the golf course cocktail waitress for drunkards uh, <laughs> out there. But uh, there was, so we would get out, we would get done late, my buddies and I, because I worked with two friends. We would get done late because inevitably people are rolling in when it's dark already, right? And so you've got to wait for all the golf carts to be in before you get to say goodbye for the day. Well, occasionally there would be these tournaments where, um, where the, the course would be taken up and then there would be a, a big post thing in the pavilion area, like a lot like what you do with the mullet open, obviously. Yeah. Well, there was one tournament where the owner of the golf course was being, being a complete dick and telling us, no, you're not allowed to take those golf carts away, even though everybody's taking their clubs off until the tournament is over with because we want these guys to be able to drive their golf carts back to their cars 50 feet away. And so it got to be like 9 or 10 o'clock, and this thing was still going on, and we're like, please. He's like, no. And so finally, we're just like, you know what? Screw it. So we all left. The owner apparently had to take all night to get these golf carts back into the barn, charge them. He didn't even get them all charged. He basically got them all into the same general area, and he got completely fucked over from his own stupid decision. So that's that's where we kind of gave him the middle finger. Wow. Great decision. Yeah. You I felt bad for golfers the next day who didn't have a cart, but it was also a matter of us not in, not wanting to be there until midnight. That guy was juicing up carts all night long, straight through the morning, trying to. Wow. Well, it, it was it was it was very nostalgic yesterday, and it, and I'm glad to to have those two on board. And they'll be in the afternoon. The app is working. Working. You know, Kevin's going to be joining us off and on it, and then we still have some room for others. So. We are still looking for a couple folks that, you know what? And and I'll say this, and I'll say this out loud. I wish that we could find a young lady in sports in our area that can do this. There have been, you know, we've had some really fantastic young women that have been in sports in the Central Texas area that have gone off to do some fantastic things. They went off to Houston, unlike BK, BK who ran off to Houston and said, I'm getting the hell out of there in a hurry. They've stayed in the Houston and Dallas and surrounding areas. But we don't have, we have very few females in sports around our area right now. It would be fantastic, you know, but I, I don't know of them. I mean, I don't think you can, you can name one. I'm, I was looking, I talked to Alex Loeb yesterday and we're just kind of thinking, what the heck, where are, there are not that many young females or old females or females in general that do sports in our area any longer. They've, they've gotten so good, they've gone away from here and gone and done some big-time stuff, I believe. Maybe, Bucky, we should make some phone calls and see about a reunion of the Our Take ladies. Oh, no. Unfortunately, at least two of them are no longer in sports. I think they're in PR now, so the um, appeal may not be there. But look, would it be nicer to have more 
Females on the local sports market, the Longhorn Beat, sure. But I'm also not going to posture and act like it's a necessary thing. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I said it would be very nice if that were to happen, if there were more, you know, more variety. I mean, we've got variety in in all walks of life. And for that around here, it used to be, but it's it's no longer. It hadn't it hadn't happened for a few years. And with the success of those young ladies, they've gone, they have gone on. It's not like they they just like disappeared or they they quit liking sports. They just have moved on. Right. You know, whether it's with the Astros or or, or in the NBA, they've gone on and done other things. Mm-hmm. They don't stick around because we're local yokels right now. That's what you and I are. Yeah, you know, it's weird because as big as Austin is now in the Austin metro area, it still operates like a small town in sure. a lot of ways. And that is especially the case within the local media markets. And so Austin's looked at as a stepping stone by a lot of people who want to get to the bigger time. Sure. And I've seen those moves happen to Houston, to Dallas. I saw people coming from other places to Chi-Town back in the day, drink mm-hmm. up. And it's just, uh, it, it is a bit of a reality of the situation at some point though. Cause I feel like the Austin Metro area is like in the top 10 now or right around the top 10 of most populated areas in the country. That has to change. Doesn't it? I, I would I would think so. Or I mean, I as I said, with, with the young ladies that had success, I would thought I would thought there were more to come behind those. But it got to be a lull, a lull in it that it then became just dudes. It yeah. just became us. And I don't know if if we we found ways to push them out. But the ones that were successful never stayed in. They did go out. But now there's there's there hasn't been another level of young ladies that have come up. It's just. They're not there or they're just hard to find. And I haven't I haven't seen any of them or heard any of them. I mean, I haven't gone anywhere in 20 some years. So but I haven't heard any over the last five or six years that are up and rising. If somebody knows, let me know. You know, know what you're trying to do. I know. And I don't need my golfing buddies to send me their daughters that talk sports with them when they come home after, you know, 18 holes and dad's drunk. No, no, no. I mean, seriously, I, I just I think there's a I think there's a. A, a, a market for those young ladies that are out there. And I just, I just haven't seen any, I just haven't heard about any. Well, the, uh, the superficial reality is if they're good looking enough, they're going to be moving on to bigger and better things. Than sure. Local or even something like LHN. Let's think about some of the talent that's come through LHN since that God awful channel started. Uh, more than a decade ago. And by the way, that's no offense to anybody working there. Well, a couple of the people working there. It's just (laughs) network has been an outright embarrassment for these university. There are people that I care deeply about. Absolutely. Deeply about. There are people that I like a lot over there. I can't say deeply. I don't know know anybody that closely now that KD is no longer at LHN. But uh, you think about Sam Ponder, think about Kaylee Hartung there's been some uh, some others like that too and they were you could tell that they were really good and credit to uh, whoever's responsible for hiring there for being able to identify talent like that but uh, they very quickly got snatched up by Big Brother to uh, to be put in better positions for themselves and for the you're absolutely right So, uh, Bucky, real quick on the subject of this, this is so interesting. I didn't think I'd be able to tie it in like this, but 
You talk about the lack of female talent on the local sports media scene. There's a story that is cropping up nationally and internationally right now having to do with the trans female debate in sports. No, we're not talking about swimming or track and field or even something like powerlifting. How about the world of chess now dealing with a little bit of an issue after the World Chess Federation has banned transgender women from competing in women's only events. This federation, which does handle things internationally, it's based out of Switzerland, has basically said, look, if you went through puberty as a male and have transitioned to a female after that, we're going to have to have a long conversation and do quite a bit of research to figure out if you should be allowed in the female-only category. I don't even know why they have a category. If a, if a freaking goat is smart enough to win in chess, why do they have categories anyway in chess? That's the dumbest thing. If my dog, if Yogi is a better chess player than a, than a transgender person or a male or a female or whatever they like to be, why doesn't my dog, why can't my dog win? Why do they, why, what is, what is the male, female, transgender, what's that have to do with chess anyhow? I, I don't get that part. That's are, the are they saying that men are smarter than women? Uh, it kind of sounds like it. That old school anchorman quote from back in the day. You're just a woman with the brain, the third of the size of a man's science. Uh, I don't obviously don't subscribe to that theory. My oh, wife, they're worried they think that men are just smarter. And if you were born a man, then you're no matter what you do, you're still going to be smarter than that woman in chess, huh? So yeah, I actually great job by them, really. I actually looked this up to see what the rationale is because they do have open tournaments also. Sure. But one of the reasons why they do have uh, women's only tournaments, it's less about physical capabilities, obviously, because you understand in swimming where Leah Thomas is like a, a foot taller than every one of her female competitors when she sure. was swimming in college and also looks like a dude too, even if we needed to think of her as a, uh, a female that uh, there's not some inherent physical advantage in chess. Like maybe you can mention pressure as a possibility, but let's not act like uh, men are, are so much better than women under pressure. There are men and women who are good and bad at pressure too. Absolutely. But what it boils down to apparently for a lot of women in that, I'm not calling it a sport, by the way. I apologize if that came Activity. out. That game um, it, it really has to do with just a lack of numbers, similar to the female sports reporter bit. Interesting. Where, um, there are significantly less women in the sport, and perhaps there is an intimidation factor that does come into play sometimes if you're talking about a much bigger dude staring down a smaller girl, but it's strictly a matter of there not being that big a numbers. In the female community in chess, they want to – Kind of keep it feminine. Now, my argument again, like what you were just talking about, is do you think that you're not smarter than a dude? Because that's really what what this boils down to here. I would guess that we see females rise up and say, no, actually, this is a situation where we're okay with trans females competing with us. Or maybe they'll say, look, trans females, we're sorry. We support you. And part of supporting you is making sure you understand where that line is, where you're infringing on the rights of others. You can go join in the open competitions that we all play in. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough one and a silly one to boot. It just is. It just comes off as thinking that if you were born a man, 
and you, you're getting ready to make that change or you've made that change, that you still have a tendency to be smarter than a female. That's how it comes across to me. That's just, they can try to, they can try to sauce it up any way they want to, but when it, I mean, when you come down to some of the, just the nuts and bolts of it, it's just the way it sounds. Or, or, or as you say, there's an intimidation factor because some of these dudes that want to end up being females, that stare down is a little bit different than those females that have been females all their lives. That's, that stare down may be a little bit different. It may be that part of the physicality of it may be something that they're, they're not interesting in having. I don't, I don't know how the stare down is before a chess match. I don't, I don't know how many seconds you get to stare at your opponent, you know, or you sit up or you sit there when they get ready to make their moves and you're eyeballing them the whole time. I would think you'd just be thinking about your next move and not so much worried about what the other person looks like, or they need to make eye contact with you or any of that other crazy shit. I mean, that just seems, that just seems silly. It just, it just seems like something that's just another off the wall, something to talk about. And that's, that's, that's crazy. Now, speaking of things to talk about this yes, Longhorn man. scrimmage, my friend on mm -hmm. Saturday, scrimmage number that's two right. <laughs> from trans females to Longhorn football. That was very well done. You know, it is, um, a, a different scrimmage in, in week number two for me being around football all my life. It's just this scrimmage, first scrimmage to me is always a defensive scrimmage. The offense gets thrown around, kicked around. Defensive coaches just tell the dogs to go sick them. And, you know, if you're in your right gap, that's nice. But if you're not and you make a play, we're still going to stand up and clap for you and tell you how great you are. This week to me is that scrimmage number two is where the offensive line really has to play well. They can't get dominated by the defensive line. They have to show their strength and what they intend to do two weeks from now, you know, two weeks from Saturday, I believe. Uh, they, they have to – they've got to understand they can't let their own teammates dominate them in a scrimmage setting or in whether it's goal line opportunities, whether it's third and short, fourth down, you must get a first down. You can't have the offensive line get pushed around this. If this comes out a stalemate, I'm okay. But I can't hear that – Alfred Collins is dominating the offensive line. You know what I'm saying? That the linebackers are flowing through gaps and guys can't pick them and can't stop them. This offensive line is too talented. They were last year when the games were there. I expect when they get ready to go into scrimmage number two, that they're going to have no worse than a stalemate against the defense. And so I expect Sark's guys to, to score touchdowns in this second scrimmage. I expect them to get a high percentage of first downs in situational, you know, third and three, third and two, where they decide, hey, we're just going to run the ball and we're going to let you know defense. We're not going to – we're not throwing to, to our tight end on five-yard out for a first down. We're running for a first down in this situation, and we're going to let you know we're going to run it. You know, some of these things are scripted so that the defensive coordinator can, can run certain defenses against this, but this offensive line has to show that they're pretty strong too. They can't get dominated in the second scrimmage, and especially in the run game. Yeah, you're right about that. You know what I want to see, uh, other than the obvious, the uh, no injury. Bit, no injuries, course, right. Uh, what we always want coming out of scrimmages. I want to hear that Malik Murphy did some really good things in the scrimmage. Look, I expect Arch to continue to wow people behind the scenes. Right. He wasn't a five-star recruit for nothing with that Manning pedigree, but I want to ensure that there's still a competition at that backup QB spot because, as we all know, Bucky, and you know specifically from your time in and around football, competition begets greatness. 
So to have other people pushing you is healthy for everyone. It certainly is. It certainly is. And in that running back room, as I said, situationally, hey, if a guy doesn't make a block, you've got to have the strength to go ahead and get that yard, yard and a half yourself. I don't. If it's one-on-one, you've got to lower that shoulder and you've got to carry that guy or those guys with you. You know, not every block is going to be a perfect block. And I think we saw that last year when Bijan Robinson was back there. There were guys in his face in the backfield that he flat out made miss. They're going to t- there's times when running backs just – it's not always blocked perfectly. Very seldom is it blocked perfectly. You know, you don't have that many perfect plays. Yeah. So there are going to be times where we're going to find out about um, C.J. Baxter. What kind of short yardage guy is he? He's long and lean. Can he use the strength that he's picked up over the last couple of months and show you that he can get that yard himself? Can he make the right decisions? Can he can he pick on the defender that's free right there? That okay, I'm gonna eyeball you. I'm coming right at you. Can you can you sustain what I'm gonna bring to you for a yard? You know, can he win those battles himself? So this will be running back offensive line weekend for me uh, in this in this second scrimmage. You know, I, I expect the linebackers to step in there. You know, and for the for the young guy who who's coming out of high school playing for them right now. Will he step up? Will he make some plays? Yes, defense will always make plays in scrimmages. They get the advantage. Football is made to their advantage right now. But can the offense step up where this this all everything offensive line right now can come together against their own teammates in week number two and an important an important situational scrimmage, I believe, this weekend. You know, you talked about a couple of young guys who will likely be contributing early, Bucky, and it's part of the coach's responsibility to put them in the best positions to succeed as they continue to grow, grow into their respective roles. So for Anthony Hill, for instance, yes, he is going to be on the field for third and obvious passing situations. They are going to let him pin his ears back and do what he is does best. And that's create havoc on the blocker in front of him and get after the quarterback and CJ Baxter, uh, like you just said, can probably serve in that short yardage back role at least early on. But it was, it's been interesting to read through the inside Texas guys this week that he's shown some shiftiness in practice this week, some lateral movement, even though he can roll, uh, run you over too, that uh, has everybody excited about what the potential future is for this young man. Because look, he was a highly rated recruit too, coming out of the state of Florida. Well, he was the number one running back in the nation. So this is a kid that, you know, I talk about power, and I talk about power because now he's been around. He's, he's gone through some winter workouts. Physically, he's, he now really knows what the weight room is all about. Now, I've recruited the state of Florida. You know, it's a very good state when it comes to running backs and it comes to football players in general. But they're, they're not the most physical. They're, they're, they're not the most physical group. It's not like the state of Texas where weightlifting is a part of classes. You know what I mean? Weightlifting is a part of your classes. These kids are generally – very shifty, very swift, extremely fast, and have a lot of agility. It's it's good to hear him because he made he didn't make the number one running back because of his power. He made the, the number one running back because he could make you miss. He could go to the distance. He had the ability to make other a- really good athletes miss. It's not about his power. You know, they talk about that stuff when 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 they get to recruiting. Oh, he's got good power. You know, you hear the word good power. You don't hear it. He's got great power. That's why That's why he's coming here. That's why we want him. He's like Ricky and Earl Campbell. That's why we want him at Texas because you don't hear about those guys. You hear about the ability to make you miss and take off and score long touchdowns. That's how you get to be the number one running back in the country. You don't get to be the number one running back in the country because they talk about your power. That's, that's, not, 
that's not what breaks because they understand people in football understand these things aren't blocked for you to have these gaping holes where you just outrun guys. I mean, where there's going to be some power involved, but they're talking about your ability to make a person miss your ability to get down the field and not give me 10 yards, but give me 50 yards. And that's how he's going to do it. And it's good to hear that he's making guys miss at this level because in high that's school, he just dominated them. Cedric Benson is probably a good example of the former. Oh, yeah. Where he was able to utilize more of a power running style. He had some shiftiness about him also, but he also didn't have crazy straight line speed. God, I remember you getting in trouble with uh, Mac Brown back in the day for pointing out the fact that he hadn't had a run longer than like 30 or 40 yards on the season. And he eventually popped one that was like 50 or 60 or something. I think it was against a lesser opponent. But it was just funny for you, you in the position that you're in, understanding – uh, running backs and pointing that not, not even necessarily being malicious about it, but just pointing it out and having to face heat in return. But Cedric Benson was a great example of a guy who ran with a little bit more power than shiftiness and was very successful in doing so. It's obviously one of the easiest paths to becoming a bell cow running back uh, for a program that is lacking a, a dynamic guy, or maybe has a dynamic guy, but knows that he's limited and wants to throw that contrast in there. Right. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, Texas to have a couple of guys who seem to be able to do all of that well, yeah. starting with Jonathan Brooks, of course, who I am really excited about watching him this season, hoping he can stay healthy. I don't think we have uh, any reason not to think so. I mean, they were extra cautious with, it, with him to ensure that he would be a 100% entering the season. Then a guy like uh, a, a guy like Cedric Baxter backing him up. We still don't know what Jaden Blue is capable of. Does he have uh, some of that ability? I think when Savion Red gets fully up to speed, even though he's on the smaller side, that dude has a nasty streak. He yeah. runs angry. He's going to be able to do some nice things too. Maybe it's a, more of a, a Swiss Army knife sort of role out of the backfield. I agree with you. A bunch of intriguing dudes in that running back room right now. He, he doesn't remind me of a natural running back. He reminds me of a guy like Wayne McGarity coming over, you know, going back and forth, learning different types of position because he's a good athlete. But he doesn't – when I see him run, I don't see him as a natural runner. I see him learning how to be a natural runner now. I think he did some things in high school. He was that Swiss Army knife. He played a little bit of everything. But he's not the natural come out of high school star running back that I that I think you need when you're at the University of Texas. He'll be a down situation. You're not going to see him go in and play two or three series at a time. I just don't see him being able to do that. Uh, I, I know he'll grow into – a, a more reps or whatever, but he's not a natural to me. In the springtime, he still didn't look natural to me. It looks like he was still learning how to be a running back. He looked like more of a receiver learning how to play running back. Whereas when I had Wayne McGarity, Wayne McGarity looked like a, he was a, a running back that could just walk over to receiver, and it was very natural for him because he, he had all that shiftiness about him, and he had fantastic hands. And, and I think when, when I look at – when you talk about guys like um, – Cedric Baxter, and I haven't seen enough of Jaden Blue. The little bit that I've seen of him, he's a natural. He was a natural running back. I mean, he just is that guy. We just haven't seen him. He just hadn't been healthy. He, he never just got, got lost in the wash, too. Yeah, lost in the wash. You know, they kind of forgot about him. He didn't get an opportunity to play in the bowl game. You know, uh, but he may, he may, he may end up being the number two guy. Cedric Cedric Baxter may, as much as everybody wants him to be that number two slash number one guy. He may be the number three guy for a while, but it's only going to take him a matter of time. When he when he runs off one of those 30-yard runs and he makes a couple guys, he shakes them up in a hole. And he and he and once he gets that experience of 
okay, I am a college running back. I'm the real deal. I, I've got power. I've got ability to make you miss. Then he's going to be, I think, maybe something special. I haven't seen that in him yet. I'm, but then again, I'm not at practice every day. He probably is doing those things at practice that you and I don't see, those little things. But Brooks, I've seen him in, even in mop-up duty. I've seen him in games. I saw him in the bowl game. I, my only thing with him was, did he have this straight-out speed? And I saw that on a couple balls that he caught on the sideline, and he just outran guys. I was thinking, it looks like he has that kind of speed with pads on. He may be a great 40 guy without a helmet and, and shoulder pads and pants on, but I've watched him now run with the ball underneath his arms, and he's hard to catch. If he breaks loose, I don't think many people are going to catch him. I just don't. He looks like those running backs that you see that are semi-big at Bama, but when they get loose, say goodbye because you're not going to catch up to him. So that, that makes me feel good about Brooks. And I know he can run with power. I know he can lower his shoulder and get the kind of yards that he needs to. My thought with him is, does he have legitimate breakaway speed? And I think I, I think that question got answered in his mop-up duty last year, you know, in some of these games where Texas was out, where they let Bijan sit down for a little while and they didn't run Roshan, but Brooks got in those games. I think it's Kansas State, Kansas or something like that where I saw him run. And then in the bowl game when he had to be the starter, I thought he played really, really well. Yeah, it's one thing to do that against uh, the second team defense for some scrub opponent that you're beating the you-know-what out of. Sure. It's a completely different thing to do it in the bowl game where all of a sudden you're the guy, and he's proven it on those different levels. And I he think has, that's yeah. why there is palpable excitement for what he might be able to do out of the backfield this year. I like that comparison – between Savion Red and Wayne McGarity a whole lot. People may not remember this, but Wayne McGarity came into Texas as a running back out of the San Antonio area. And gosh, I don't know how quickly it was. Maybe after his first year, his true freshman season, he ends up getting moved to wide receiver. He and I have to talk about that. There was just not enough room in the running back room between Ricky Williams, Priest Holmes, Sean Mitchell, and Wayne McGarity. That was four guys that could have played anywhere in the, in the country probably at running back. I just couldn't have four of them. And we did, we know we had some deficiencies at wide receiver at that time, you know, after, you know, with Mike Adams, with Lavelle Pingney being, who knows what he was going to be a tight end wide receiver, whatever he wanted to be. And, you know, we, we needed to have another wide receiver with the ability. And I said, Wayne, I said, he thought he was going to be our goal line runner. And I looked around and I said, do you see those two guys, Priest and Ricky? They can get into the end zone. They can get short yardage. Wayne McGarity was a short yardage kid, but, he would also line up in the backfield and then in motion split out as a wide receiver and catch the ball. And that's when we got to seeing the things that he could do as a receiver. He was a legitimate wide receiver. He went on to play in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys as a wide receiver. So it was a good move for him. It was, it was a good situation. And for Savion Red, that may take some time. Wayne was just a natural at it. He just went from one position to the next and had no problems. So he had great hands. But I don't know. Savion, it's, it may take some time. It may take some real games, not, you know, practice is practice, games are games. And your heart beats at a different rate when you're in a football game and there's 100,000 people around you. And when that ball is coming at you and when those dudes are coming at you, it's a different feeling. It's a different emotion. Uh, the, the hair on your arm stands up a different kind of funny way. You know, your heart race is a little different. That's 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 that. And that's what I say about Cedric Baxter. The minute he gets to that point where he has a run, in a true game, I don't care if it's against Rice, where he shakes some dude up in the hole and he goes 40 yards or he scores some touchdown. I'm not talking about on a four-yard run for a first down. I'm talking about on a legitimate big boy run where everybody goes, oh, my goodness. In his mind, he's going, 
I'm, I'm, there, I'm in, this is college football. I'm there. I can do this. If I can do that on that guy, I don't care if he's from Rice, I can do it on that guy from Alabama. That's the kind of confidence that built, but those are built in games. Those aren't built in practice. You know, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Perfect practice, perfect practice makes perfect. Right. And, you know, you got to have a perfect practice to make perfect. When coaches say practice, practice makes perfect. No, practice makes permanent. Perfect practices make perfect. You don't get those that often. Yeah, you and I both love that axiom. Have you uh, kept in touch with McGarity over the years? I have not talked to Wayne in probably 15 years or so. Okay. He's been he, uh, he's he's in the job field. He's out there working working like you and I. He's not in the, he's not like BK. He's not in the glamour business. You know I mean? <laughs> glamour shots. BK's in a U-Haul right now. Hey, Bucky, I need to cut up hour one. So would you mind telling the people about both Relax the Back and oh, Syntex yeah. Tickets, please? Yeah, I love my guy Shelby over at Syntex Ticket for all your ticket needs. Syntex is the place to go. You know, this Longhorn uh, A&M rivalry, we'll be back. So you'll be able to get tickets for A&M football, A&M basketball. It's not just Texas. It's Texas A&M tickets. They've got that at Syntex Tickets. They're available there for you. Broadway, Vegas. By the way, the big game this year, the Super Bowl, is in Las Vegas. Get with Shelby now. He started getting ready for that Vegas trip. By the way, if you don't have your room right now for Vegas for the Super Bowl, you're probably not going to find a room. You're going to be in the you're going to be out in the desert somewhere trying to get to that football game. But Syntex tickets, ACL, Formula One, the Killers, Queens coming, Formula One out there. Everything to do with uh, the Moody Center. It's going to happen, and it happens with Syntex Tickets and SyntexTicket.com. And, of course, Relax the Bag. You know I love those folks. I'm sitting in my Relax the Bag chair right now, sitting upright without that gangster lean. I'm feeling good. I've been feeling good for 20 years of having uh, Relax the Bag. You know, they look that they take what you do, of course, Trey, that holistic approach to a healthier lifestyle. They have 35 years of proven expertise, and my back couldn't be happier. I don't know what I'd do. BK was sitting in a lounge chair that he got from the pool that he took from the swimming pool at his, at his other apartment, took that, stuck in his house, and been sitting in that for days. I can't do that. My back will not allow me to do that because in a matter of an hour or so, I start to slouch down. My back starts to hurt. My shoulders start to have pain in them. But relax the backs. They have all kinds of chairs that you can take, whether it's in your office, whether you're going, whether you're working from home, just to watch TV. They've got all the, the, the lounge chairs ready for you. And Jason and the gang over that, of course, relax the back. They welcome you to come in and feel pain-free just like the buck. They've got two, two locations, the Hill Country Gallery across from Whole Foods in Austin and at the Gateway Shopping Center across from, everybody knows where the container store is out there on 183, across the street from there. So get to it. Get to relax the back. And food. please, folks, be comfortable Whatever you're doing, and you know that, Trey, you know how your back can act up. You're a tennis pro, but you can't just come home and sit in any chair or sit on the floor and have your back feel comfortable. But relax the back, they got just the chair for you. Okay, so I've got a couple of things on relax the back, Bucky, because I have been a customer for relax the back. I feel like going back 20 years, you and I have bonded over a lot of things over the years, but me as a guy in my mid to late 20s going through back issues and you yourself have dealt with back issues as well i remember talking with you about it uh when we were at the zone but relax the back is someplace that i've gone for a long time for a variety of reasons for instance this thing that you see on my shoulder right now there you go 
it's not just a decoration. My thoracic spine was so stiff when I woke up today. And this thing, this S-curve, is legitimately the best massage tool I've ever purchased. I got it at Relax the Back. The chair that you see right there blends in with that, uh, that dark brown background. This chair was given away at the Mullet Open a couple of summers ago. My brother won it. My brother didn't want to tote it back to Houston with him. Plus, he already had an office chair. At least he thought he did. I would argue that it's not nearly as comfortable as this one. So I paid him a couple hundred bucks for this chair. And it is literally the most comfortable chair to sit in in my entire house. Yes, sir. We were talking about this yesterday. I'm actually looking into a standing desk because I hate sitting in this position for so many hours per day. And I do a lot of work on my computer, regardless of uh, whether cameras and microphones are on and sitting like this, you know, they've said that sitting like this is the new smoking Bucky. I don't necessarily believe it's that drastic necessarily, but sitting like this all day also isn't great for you. And so I've looked on the relax the back website to see if they offer the standing desk. Sure enough, they do. So I may be going back to relax the back soon uh, to grab a standing desk now too. Right. Unfortunately, this is one of the rare occasions where Relax the Back has not had something that I was looking for. They don't have the treadmill that goes below the standing desk. So With your little feet going? Come on, man. I'm going to be, you're going to see me at one point and we're going to be doing shows. And you're going to see me doing this. And I'm not doing that because I'm moving to the beat. I'm doing that because I'm walking on the treadmill as we're, uh, as we're doing our Texas Sports Unfiltered shows. Very nice. Well, you're going to see me also like this because. I'm going to be pissing in a Gatorade bottle eventually. Here. <laughs> I'm not going to make it every single day with, with two hours of not going to the bathroom or going to the can. I prefer the bucket. You guys prefer me to use the Gatorade where I can put the top on it. There's not going to be a splash factor here. I'll hold the bucket up a little bit, but I'll be smiling. There'll be one of these mornings you'll say, you're taking a piss. That is not right. That is not. The people don't need to know what you're doing, but I can tell by that smile on your face, you're actually doing it. So far, so good. You, you know, think that there's not going to be that much splatter with a bucket, but let me just forewarn you now. At some point, your lovely wife is going to walk into that room after a couple of days of you using and emptying the bucket out, and it's going to be like that cat owner who doesn't realize oh. the kitty litter needs to be changed. Oh, goodness. It smells a little bit like ammonia up here. Maybe you should reconsider and grab an empty 64-ounce Gatorade bottle that limits the splash and also allows you to screw the top back on when you're done. Well, maybe I'll say to her, hey, honey, this big-ass house we built three years ago, maybe we should have thought that if I was going to have an office up 18 stairs, that there should have been a bathroom up here at this level so I don't have to go flying down the steps to make it to the bathroom and then back up. And then, of course, I've then talked to people about what it would cost to put a bathroom upstairs here? $33,000 to put in a bathroom. What? To, to move all the, you know, the different oh. things you have to do, the toilet, the, the plumbing, and move it across because the septic's on the other side and all this other stuff. $33,000. I'm like, no, I'll piss in a bucket. <laughs> I'll shit in a bucket if I have to. <laughs> piss in a bucket. I'll barf and I'll do everything in a bucket. 33 grand? Come on. There are very few things as humbling as having to shit into a bucket. And I only know that because I did it for the very first time in my life this summer. Back oh. in June, my family and I went to Oregon 
for a week long trip. And half of the trip was us spending three days and two nights on the wild and scenic rogue river in Southern Oregon. Now we weren't by ourselves. We were with my former roommate and a group of people who really knew what they were doing. And so even though we were in a place that was called bear camp and it wasn't called bear camp, ironically, it was called bear camp because there were more black bears in this part of the cascade mountains than anywhere else in the U S we were still okay. We were still safe, but the worst part of the trip for me, other than my wife and son almost dying was having to shit in a bucket over the course of those two nights. Now it was scenic you were out of the way of the rest of the camp and sure, hopefully yes flowing by and you had the mountains all around you. So it did allow a certain level of peace, but it's also unsettling knowing that you are dropping your deuce straight into a bucket. There's not water that is going it's to just dry you. bucket. There's not water that's going to subdue that smell or the, uh, any other disgusting aspect of you having to do that. But it was also interesting to have my kids have to do that too. They were completely disgusted by it as well which isn't surprising because my kids refuse to use porta pots i'm proud for them for a lot of reasons but one of the proudest points for me is their outright disgust over porta potties they will hold it or we will go find a hotel or something before we settle on a porta potty yeah i'm porta potty king so it doesn't matter if i gotta go i gotta go because i'm never doing that in my pants i have i have said as i age I know a lot of things happen to people. It slips, something happens. I'll never do that. I, you know, I told my former partner. Wait a second. Do you mean to tell me that you've never shit yourself before? No. Okay. No, I have not. I'm just 68. I'm not 88. And if well, I get to that point, at the age of 45, have done that at least once or no, twice. I'm dropping up against a car. I'm at a golf course. I'll use my towel. I'll lean up against a tree. I'm not doing that on myself until it's totally necessary. And that's when I'm in the hospital bed. And I mean, I've got tubes everywhere and it just happens. As long as I got the two legs that I have, or even if I had stumps, I'm not going to do that on myself. I'll do that in your car, in your front car seat. Now, you know the story about Pennsylvania when I was heading down to Atlantic City for the first time with, with the guys going to Atlantic City. And, and I, obviously I was drinking at the time. And I asked him, I said, guys, I have to take a pee. I really have to go to the bathroom bad, which means if I tell you I have to go take a pee, I had to pee probably 45 minutes before that. Mm. So when I tell you, that means that means it's time to pull over. I'm in the back seat. These dudes refuse to pull over. You could see the lights of Atlantic City as we're driving. And, and they said, well, there's, there's Atlantic City right there. Can you hold it? And I said, no. And I said, well, I'm not going to ask you again. So I proceeded to open up the back door of the car. And I didn't know the back draft. I thought since you open up the door of the car tray, as I'm peeing out the back, would go back towards like the gas tank. Oh. Well, it didn't. Oh. It came back in to the back of the neck of the driver and the passenger in the front seat. And and I just I didn't stop. I just I just I just peed. I, I emptied my bladder. And I told them as they then pulled over, I said, if you would have just pulled over, you know, 15 minutes ago, your necks wouldn't have been in this situation. You would have needed a diaper on your neck right now because it's all over the dashboard. It's everywhere. Needless to say, I'm smiling coming in Atlantic City. And these dudes are just about crying, rolling into the hotel in Atlantic City. 
And so when I tell you I have to go, and, and you know, whether I'm in a car with my wife or with anybody, if I said, listen, I've got to use the bathroom, that means Bucky's already had to use the bathroom a half hour to 45 minutes ago. He's telling you at the worst part of it, not at the beginning part. I'm already telling you I've already had to go. I don't do that. I will do that on the side. If a gas station is full and somebody's in the bathroom, I'm running around the back of the thing and leaning up against the building. I'm not going to crap on myself. Not going to do it. Yeah, no, nobody wants to crap on themselves for the record, but sometimes it just happens. And no. even though ultimately I do believe you, I also do have a hard time believing you too. After all, you do have a 68-year-old sphincter. And <laughs> that moment where you think you can trust a fart and something comes sliding out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, listen, Doc, I am now into – I take a couple prunes a day now at my age. I always used to laugh at people – there was, I said, well, he looks like he's been eating prunes. I know what that face looks like now, <laughs> that prune face. But, yes, I get I get my – and you're okay with me having a couple of prunes a day, right? Yeah, a couple of prunes a day, it's good for you. It helps to uh, regulate things. It helps to solidify things. Maybe it yeah. does help it to keep from sliding through your system so easily. Yes, absolutely. So I'm at that point, I'm at that point of my life that, yes, a couple of prunes at 68 – they don't bother me during the course of the day. It keeps me okay. And you I don't have – there's no surprise anymore. I know when it's coming. You know what I mean? I did have one of those moments where I was the driver in the situation you just described because I was the driver to New Orleans for about five or six straight years when my friends and I would go to Mardi Gras, talk about outright debauchery. But my friends inevitably wanted to drink the whole way, and I'm like, well, one of us needs to stay sober. That's right on this trip to make sure that we can get there safely and get back safely too. Although back everybody was sleeping jerks, but uh, it would get to a point on these trips. And this would have happened the first year that I had to learn this lesson to uh, modify going forward where these drunk jackasses were asking to stop for the bathroom break once every hour. Or so. Oh, yeah. And I'm the, even now I'm like, I'm the guy who's ready to get there. It's like, if we're not, if we're stopping, that stop needs to be on our side of the road. How dare you suggest that we go under the highway or across the median to go? Yeah. A bathroom break or something. But these drunk jackasses, once they break the seal, they've got to go every 45 minutes to an hour. We'll yeah. get to a point. I want to say we were in Baton Rouge. Uh, we were just getting to Baton Rouge. I was like, look, dudes, you guys need to get some 64 ounce Gatorade bottles and pour them out and just plan on that. And so I said that not thinking. And make sure you screw the cap back on whenever you're done, dummies. Well, these drunk guys, one of them anyhow, these are my friends that I love, by the way, at least a couple of them I still love. Um, the first one who took a piss decided that it was a good idea to try and dump the pee out of the Gatorade bottle because the Gatorade bottle was essentially full. So like opening up the back door? To the point that you just made, it all comes flying back into the car because it doesn't dump straight down. There is that uh, that backdraft or whatever you want to. I was call not it. good at yeah. physics, so I didn't realize all that stuff could happen. Well, I got pee all over my car also, and I'm like, "All right, guys, we're gonna stop one more time. Get a bunch of Gatorade bottles because clearly you jackasses can't uh, can't hold it, like a, a couple of children not being able to hold it, and." what is coming out is enough to fill up a 64 ounce Gatorade bottle. So we got a bunch of bottles and had a bunch of Gatorade bottles filled with urine uh, that we uh, got to dispose of when we finally made it to new Orleans. Very nice. Good job. Good job. 
Trey, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, uh, as they, I haven't heard a lot about Tony Pollard. They're keeping him under wraps. They're going to keep him under wraps probably until the season, huh? They're not going to, they're not going to take any chances with, with his foot and why do it? I mean, why? I mean, obviously he's practicing, but he's not going to, I don't think he's going to participate in any preseason game. I mean, they play on Saturday, playing in Seattle. Could be wet. I don't know why I just take Seattle and say it's going to be wet there because it rains all the damn time. Maybe that's why I'm saying that. But like saying, yeah, it's like saying it's going to be hot in the summer. Yeah, here in Texas. Yeah, really. Um, I, I'm just thinking good move, bad move, the right move for them, the only move for them uh, to have Pollard not get out there and and do some things in preseason games. And we just – we talked about preseason games. Is it necessary? Or is the pra- practice for him is the necessity? Playing in the, in the preseason – in a preseason game won't do much. We already know what Tony Pollard can do. You know, we, we, we understand why he's their guy now. There's no Zeke Elliott. So, yeah, they can't afford to take a chance. They no, really can't. I mean, look, you know this. If there is a position that you're fine with that guy or that starter not playing at all – Yes. In the first three preseason games, four, if you play in the NFL Hall of Fame game, thank you to the uh, to the commenter who pointed that out a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's the running back position. You want to save all those bullets for when the games actually matter. Like, even Bijan Robinson, Buck, I know he didn't play in the Falcons' first game. He may get a couple of carries in this next one. I'd be fine if Atlanta completely sits him out because we sure. know Arthur Smith likes to use his running backs. And that is use a bell cow into the ground like what happened with Derrick Henry yes. two years calling plays with the Tennessee Titans. And that's fine. You want to get Bijan over 300 carries in a season, great. You need to make sure that there aren't any additional carries happening in right. moments that are completely pointless. Let the other guys make the team. Yeah, Bijan need- is not going to forget how to play running back just because he hasn't played in a handful of preseason games. Sure. Sure. I, I mean – but now, you know, you got Mike McCarthy now calling plays. The plays, probably the run plays will be very similar. There's probably no mystery to what the Dallas Cowboys and what they're going to run in the run game. They're not running a bunch of counters and things like that. They're coming off the line of scrimmage, double teaming guys and giving you, you know, spaces to run in. That's 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 their primary game. You know, they're a zone blocking team. You'll see a lot of that. He understands what they're going to try to do. So, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't take my chances with him. And that is the position that you can't afford. One extra carry is one extra carry too many. Yeah. And it's not a regular season game. So, no, I, I and for as you said, for B. John Robinson, no thanks. I would have even played him a couple snaps. I would have said, game one, you're that guy. I've seen you at practice. I know you know the plays. I know what you can do. I, I've watched you make guys miss. I've watched you run guys over here at practice. I'm not going to do that in a preseason game against some team that a guy is trying to make the team is going to take that extra shot on your legs. No, thank you. Or, I mean, yeah. and it's not about taking shots or cheap shots. It's just the, the pounding that you take as a running back anyway. Right. And by the same token, uh, talking on the Cowboys, Bucky, because you're right, Tony Pollard should not see any action in the preseason. I am excited to see a little bit more out of Deuce Vaughn. It's funny because the Cowboys, obviously, they had that special moment where former UT coach Chris Vaughn, who is now, uh, I believe he's a scout for the Cowboys, got to make the call to his son that the team was going to draft him back in yeah. April. And people dad, thought yeah. it was a cute story, but people also looked at Deuce Vaughn's stature, I guess, and is like, this guy is too small to make it in the NFL. 
But if you watch him at Kansas State, man, he's one of those guys who defies the odds. He is not only uh, an extremely smart football player, but he's also supremely talented too. And so to see him start to turn heads as a potential backup running back for the Cowboys doesn't surprise me at all. I talked to uh, Kyle Yeomans a few months ago on my ESPN radio show, and I asked him what the chances were of Deuce Vaughn being the backup this year. And he's like, Deuce Vaughn's a great story. He may be a special teams guy, but let's give him a couple years uh, before we're handing him the football. I think he's capable of being a backup for the Cowboys right now. Granted, those successes are in practice and then also in preseason games, but much like with a Jonathan Brooks, you right. have to start seeing it somewhere. No, it's, it's now for him. He's a he's a pro running back, and he this is a guy that can get in there and and do things in series, not just plays, not scattered plays throughout a football game. That guy can go in there and play a series. He's gonna. I mean, you you, you can't learn how to pass protect until you're in the games. He'll have to learn how to do that. He didn't have to do, do a lot of that at K State, but he's he's physically capable of doing everything you need for him to do as a running back in the NFL. Yeah, I mean. It's just experience. That's all it is. But when you can make a dude miss, you can make a dude miss at any level. That guy can make you miss, period. And the way his and the way he works his body and his strength is, I think, one of his biggest assets. Yeah. His lower body strength is incredible. The ability to, to, to make those kind of cuts and still be going forward, still have the same velocity and the takeoff he has, doesn't take him a while to get going. He's going right off the cut. Bijan's that same way. Right off the cut, they're almost at full speed and going. doesn't take them three steps to then get that momentum up and get to their top speed. They, off that first step and that first push, it's like coming out for the 40. Those guys are incredible, those type of guys. Deuce Bond's lower body is exceptional. And it's not just the ability of him making you miss. He makes you miss with his upper body. You're following his head and his shoulders. And if you're not honed in on that as a tackler, you're going to have a problem. Because if you think you're going down to his lower body, and making plays, Deuce Vaughn doesn't get tripped up a lot. And with little guys, you're always thinking, oh, that little dude, he's so close to the ground, you're going to cut his little legs out from under him, he's going to trip down and fall. That guy walks through those arm tackles. You stick your arm out there, you're going to be taking a nub back because he'll take your arm off. His lower body is extremely strong. And uh, just watch him in his lower body and how he, how he accelerates from that. From, the, from, those, from those ankles up, he's extremely physical. He really, really is. And and I look forward to seeing him play. And I'm not looking forward to seeing him play two years from now. I'm looking forward to him being the number two running back and even share some carries at time with Tony Pollard this season. Hey, Buck, speaking of uh, State of Texas professional football teams, did you see that Ian Rappaport yesterday said that the uh, Texans and head coach D'Amico Ryans did admit to reporters that C.J. Stroud is going to start against the Dolphins in their preseason game this weekend. Yes. We are a big step closer to C.J. Stroud being announced as this team's starting quarterback, which I think at this point, if you're the Texans, you don't have any other choice, especially with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I understand they took Anthony Richardson with a top-five pick, but to take a dude who is looked at as much more raw as a prospect to right. have him as a starter now, it's really probably back the Texans into a corner, too. Yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to put Davis Mills as your starter and give your fans, once again, no hope? Because he's only going to win. If the guy wins two games for you, that, that's, that's, that's probably the highlight for him is two games. This guy, this is what you're going to have to live with for the next couple of years. you got to find out if he's going to be your – franchise quarterback and you can't find that out by not making him the starter I, I don't I don't think there's that learning curve where he, he 
the learning curve for CJ Stroud is, is the games themselves, you know, and you know, you know me, I'm talking a lot about practice this morning, about what you can do at practice, how you can get better, how it doesn't matter until you actually get into the thick of things with guys from opposing teams coming at you for him. I've got to believe in the, in the pro game for the quarterback, it's against those other teams. It's not against your guys. You'll figure out your own guys pretty shortly at your camps, your OTAs and stuff. You know the guys you can beat at, at practice. You know how good you can look at a practice. But you don't know how you can look against an opposing player until you come up against an opposing player in a game. And they have to, they have to find out what their future is. He's, he's their number one draft pick. What are they going to do? Not, what are they going to wait for Davis Mills to lose the first four games or win a game, lose four, win a game, lose five? What are they going to do? Why would they wait that long? It doesn't make any sense. I think you have to go case by case basis here, but it really comes down to whether a guy is going to be able to deal with the amount of failure that is inevitable for a first year Absolutely. In the National Football League and a guy whose most recent snaps were a season ago at the college level because it is that big an increase in competition. But if you sense that a guy does have that resilience and also has not just the natural ability because Anthony Richardson, according to all accounts does have the natural ability and he showed it at the NFL scouting combine. He has to have shown a a level of consistency at that previous stop. Sure. Comfortable putting in him in there in that very first season. Bryce is a no brainer. I think CJ Stroud ultimately is probably a bit of a no brainer too. I am completely confused as to why the Indianapolis Colts felt it necessary to name Anthony Richardson the starting quarterback in the preseason, regardless of whether they spent a top-five draft pick on him. This season has the potential to be a complete disaster in Indianapolis with what they're going to be working with at quarterback. And by the way, you have a decent enough backup with Gardner Minshew, but also the Jonathan Taylor situation is ugly as well. And a franchise that just a couple of years ago Felt like it was going to be the cream of the crop going forward for at least a few years. All of a sudden, they've obviously changed coaching staffs this offseason. The offensive line isn't the same. What they're going to be capable of over the next few years. No, I think you you, you hit it right on the head, Trey, when you said for, for Stroud is the fact that how he handles the difficult times because he's going to see a lot of those with the team, not just through himself and, and learning experience for him as an NFL quarterback, but with the team that he plays on. They're not all that good. They, ju- they just aren't. So how he handles the difficult times will be important in his, in his NFL quarterback, franchise quarterback career. They're going to find out, can he handle the disappointment? If this guy has his head down and he doesn't bounce back the following week or the, the following practice, is this truly our guy? We can't afford – I mean, the Houston Texans, have, you know, they were blessed with Deshaun Watson in that his final year and how well he played. They got a, a taste of – what a good quarterback could do, or, I mean, he didn't, it didn't take you playoffs and win a bunch of playoff games, but he made you feel there was hope. And now this guy right here, he's going to have some disappointments. How will he handle the disappointments? Because he's not as talented as Deshaun Watson coming out of, out of college. Deshaun Watson was a a cut above. Now karma has caught up to him and karma is a part of life. Karma is masseuse. Yeah. I mean, the whole karma thing of, of that guy, people, people tend to think, Oh, he's going to be the Deshaun Watson that he was before. I don't know. I, I believe in a little bit of, I mean, there are a lot of bad people that a lot of good things happen, happen to, you know what I'm saying? Bad people don't always get what they deserve. 
they end up living. I mean, they don't live that afterlife. If you believe in an afterlife, they don't get to do the things that they think they do once they're not here. But while they're on this earth and living some bad things, they still kind of make it through. They still have successful lives and what, what they think is successful, even though they screw people along the way. But karma is a part of, of I think, what's going to, going to go on with Deshaun Watson. Will he ever be the same? I don't know. I really, I, I mean, that's, I mean, he was terrible last year. He really wasn't that good. I mean, the, the kid that played last night looked better than he looked the entire five or six games that he played last year. He was throwing big time blocks down the field. He got a personal foul at one point for a blindside block too. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Oh yeah, uh, kid from UCLA. UCLA, yeah. Yeah, I like him. He's a really competitor. He's played two straight preseason games for them, and he looks like he's going to get that number two spot. And who knows? He keeps playing these preseason games the way he, he does, but they paid too much for Deshaun Watson. You got to play him. You don't have a choice. He, he's got to. They got to find out what he can do. And I think for the Texans. They put so much into C.J. Stroud. You've got to find out what he can do. Whether he has failures or not, you're not going to bring in Davis Mills because you know what his limitations are. You just why, – why do that? You know, I think back to the Deshaun Watson scandal and him being completely inappropriate on the massage table – and it reminds me that there are people in all walks of life who are completely oblivious for the proper way to conduct yourselves in a given situation. Sure. Like this happens in our day-to-day lives too, by the way. Like you go to a grocery store parking lot, watch how many jackasses have a hard time just parking within the lines. Many oh, yeah. of them get out of their car, see what they've done, and make no effort to correct the poor parking job. Or like yeah, going to I, a comedy I, I, club and watching people that are like talking along with the comedian, like giving their own commentary to their general area. It's like, hey, motherfucker, nobody wants to hear what you have to say right now. All you're doing is disrupting the show. Shut up. Laugh when you're supposed to laugh. Clap when you're supposed to clap. And let that be that. People are not here for the you show. They're here for right. this comedian to watch that show. And, and as you said, Trey, people won't even take the time if they pull into a parking space, you know you're over the line, you're into the next person that wants to come over. It takes you, what does it take you, one minute to get back into the car, pull back, get into the space properly? And I don't know. I I, I just like, I feel better if I do that and I'm in my space. They gave me a space. They gave me these lines. Why do I need, there's no reason for me to go over into somebody else's spot because it's only going to take me one minute of my time to put myself into the right situation instead of like you said, going into a store and saying, screw it. Nobody's going to come. You know what I mean? Why do I, ha- why do I have to do that? You know, it's funny because you'd like to think about it selflessly or think about others with how you are going about your business. But even if you want to think about it selfishly, think about it like this. You are putting your own automobile more at risk sure. by parking terribly because somebody is much more likely to hit you or ding your door with their car door, if you're too close to to their space, like there are selfish reasons that will help justify you getting your lazy ass back in the driver's seat and taking the five seconds to adjust sure. to a terrible parking spot. I would guess, Bucky, I've never done this research, although uh, maybe I should sit in the parking lot and do so, that the same people who refuse to correct a bad parking spot are also the same lazy asses who will leave their shopping cart right there in between spaces rather than walk the extra 50 feet to get it back to the area where 
empty carts go. I don't do, I don't do, I do some things right. I don't do everything right. You know, I, don't you tell me that you leave that shopping cart where your car was, please. No, I take that shopping cart no matter where I am parked okay. and I'll put it in that rack. I put it in the rack. I don't care if it's hot, cold, raining. I will go all the way to the rack and push that in. I, I just do. That's, that's one of my pet peeves is to take the shopping cart and do that. Unless I have that HEB bagger who wants to bring the bags out herself. And I, I'll say, I'll get in the trunk first. You give me the bags. And then I'll get you in the trunk. Yeah, I will do. Okay, that. Buffalo Bill. Okay, but I I'll do that. That that's that's one of the things that I truly have a pet peeve about is that deal. But I will not. I will not pump gas for a female. I don't. If a female is driving the car, and she has the ability to drive the car, it's her car, and she stops at the gas station. I don't go. I'll pump the gas for you, honey. No. Guess what? You drove it here. You've pumped gas before. You can pump gas today. You've got the credit card. You go ahead, swipe it out, get it done. I don't even, my, my wife and I have not got to that situation yet, but I think she understands. I'll open up the, I open up the door for her to get in the car. I'll go over, I'll do all those things. I'll open up a door in front of somebody that may say to me, well, I didn't need you to open up the door for me. Well, I did it because <laughs> that's what I do. But, but if my wife is doing gas, I'm not going to jump out and pump the gas. No, no, no. You got two legs. Your arms you are working. Just you'll fine. literally walk around to open their door up, but you won't take the gas off of the uh, gas pump and put it in the gas tank? She's done that all her life. What is the deal? She can't do that now. She's opened doors all her life, too. I can't wait until you start sh- slamming the, uh, the gas station on her face oh, and she's no. trying to walk in to get a 64-ounce oh, no. Gatorade bottle. We're going to dinner. We're going out to visit folks. I'll go around. I'll open up that door. You know, when she gets ready to get in, I'll go around open up that door. But when it comes to pumping gas, yo, listen, your car, your credit card, you pump it. See, you're trying to do what uh, our old bosses were, uh, were so good at, deflecting blame. This is all about you here, Bucky. Why, why is it about, about me? I'm a passenger in the car. This I'm is a all passenger. about you and the affectation you have and the OCD thing that you have with your hands. For instance, Bucky, would you eat uh, chicken wings with your bare hands? No, that's gross. Why not? My nails, the texture of the chicken... No, I don't. I don't touch chicken with my fingers. Crawfish, maybe, but it works. It's too hard to work for crawfish. I'd rather eat a lobster. So the combination of you being hypersensitive about your nails and your cuticles and my hands. I'm a hand model. Yes, really helps with those elephant walks too. And uh, <laughs> also, you understanding that a gas pump is a little bit gross, and it's just it's a lot of work at the same time, especially if you're in the passenger seat. These things are, are really what's going on subconsciously as you're suggesting that she's been pumping gas her whole life. So why allow her to get out of it here versus doing the gentlemanly thing, hopping out of the car and saying, you know what, honey, this time I'll pump the gas. You get a gentleman 98% of the time. You're not getting 100% gentleman. I'm not pumping your gas. If I'm not there, you have to pump the gas. I don't expect when I'm, when I'm driving, does she lean over to me and say, honey, I'll pump the gas. Never, never. I don't even know a female that's ever done that. There may be one out there in the entire universe that may have said that, honey, I'll pump the gas. Oh, honey, it's it's a little hot outside. 
you've driven us. You, you've been driving all across the country. Has your wife jumped over and said, I got the gas? Late, lately? She, she, she may have done it. will pump the gas, but it's, it's really the situation could go either way. Like sometimes I will hop out and pump the gas for her, and sometimes she'll do it. It just depends on if we're in a, a bit more of a rush than not. Or like if we're on a road trip, for instance, for your example. I mean, we've got yeah. two young kids who unfortunately – like my drunk friends back in the day going from Austin to New Orleans for Mardi Gras require a lot of pit stops. So if I'm driving, which I usually am, I'll hop out and get the gas and she'll take the kids to the bathroom. There you go. But if the situation is reversed, then I'm the one that's hopping out, taking them to the bathroom while she pumps the gas real quick. There you go. There, there, there's roles. We all have roles. My roles is to open up the doors. My role is not to pump gas. That's not one of my things for her car. My car, I pump the gas always. Her car, she can do just the exact same thing I did. Get out of the car, take the credit card, go around there, do it, stick it. There's nothing wrong with her that she can't do that. She's done it before. I already opened up the door for her to get in to start the adventure, and I'll open up the door again. When she when when the car gets shut, I'll go I'll run around the side, open up the door and let her out to go to a restaurant. I'll do all those things. I'm not pumping your gas. You're using your credit card. That you can pump your gas. That's just the way it is. If if oh honey, I didn't bring my credit card. Do you mind? I will get out and pump the gas. But if it's on a regular on the on the regular, and I'm in that driver's seat, I'm not pumping her gas. Get out of the car. Pump your own damn gas. Come on. You making, making her take the trash out on trash day? She will put it towards the gate there. I take it out the gate and bring it back. Okay. That's that's all. I mean, people have people have duties, certain things to get done. My wife is heading to Israel for 10 days. I've got all the dog duties. I've got three dogs and two cats. Guess we'll be getting up early and making sure the breakfast is all while she's over in the Holy Lands, hopefully safely, flying Delta to get there. She won't get there on time. I guarantee you that. Good luck with all that. Yeah. See if you get there on time. Yeah, you'll end up in Moscow or something. Are you, are you normally dealing with the uh, the kitty litter box then? No, we're, the cats are now, you know, we they lived in a shed for a year. And when they were one years old, we they became outdoor cats. They're, uh-huh. on, they're on their own. They go do their own thing all day long. They know when the dinner bell comes. They know that at about 5.15, they're at the back door jumping up and down. They're ready for their food. And then at the end of the day, after they've been in the farmlands out here, and the coyotes haven't got them, and they found out the coyotes don't climb trees, or mostly anything doesn't climb a tree except for a fox will go up a tree. But a fox won't mess with a cat. A big cat will knock the shit out of a fox. It will slap that fox right across its face. Fox, fox, a fox is a really kind of mild animal. They're not, they're meek. You know, they're really shy. You know, shy as a fox. They're yeah. they're that way. They really are. And I've had foxes that have mingled with my cats. And they don't like messing with cats. I used to think people would tell me, oh, no, a fox ate your cat. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I've been around this. That, that fox with that long nose, that little thing is just, is just a little bit bigger than a cat. That's not going to eat a cat. That cat will knock the – a mean cat, an outdoor cat, will knock the crap out of a fox. Now, a coyote will eat everything and anything they can get their hands on. So 
cats cats tend to be the alpha in, in a situation where you have a dog and the cat especially if the cat is older than the dog it'll put that dog in its place real fast oh, Boxes, sure. by the way are the cats of the dog world is what i like to call them because they're really agile yes they are extremely quiet they will often be in your presence and you won't even realize it but they're not they don't have the ferocity of a cat though no 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 i've, I've watched them there you know, my wife has walked the dog in the neighborhood and a couple of little foxes have come up, you know, no more than 15 feet away from them and very curious about the dogs. And if the dogs don't go crazy, the fox will follow the walk. I mean, they're really they're really meek and mild and they're shy and they really like to be around that family, that kind of setting. They like they like to do that, but they're not going to come up and snap at you a stinging coyote on a walk out here if you got your little dog will attack you and the dog. There's, yeah. much, there's more of a chance of a, a big buck coming and messing with you and your dog than a fox. Fox is going to be like, nah, no thanks. But when some of these big deer are in rut and you're in the wrong spot at the wrong time, that's not good either. Is that right? Have you encountered yeah. an aggressive deer out there? I feel like I, every deer I've ever seen is nervous and ready to run away from me. I'm Bucky Godbolt outdoorsman. Let's not forget that. All right. Not only a farmer, but an outdoorsman now, huh? Yes, yes, absolutely. In you a, know, uh, in a, uh, prof- an, an unprofessional and amateur weather guesser, I guess is what we call you. No, I go by the farmer's almanac. Things are going to happen next week that we're all going to be pretty happy about. The farmer's almanac is not accurately predicting what's going to be happening on August 15th, 2023, before the start of the year. There's no way the farmers are that good. When it rains, you're going to say, well, you told us so. I have had to eat crow with you as it pertains to seemingly outlandish weather predictions in the recent past too, mind you. So if we get rain next week, I will eat my humble pie. I will say, you know what, Bucky, once again, you were right. I'm not one of those weather. You've dealt with weather guessers too long in your life. That's been your problem. Look, most of those people are reading off of the same model that was created by one person. And there are true meteorologists out there who do study the science of weather and make predictions based on that. Their predictions aren't usually all that right. Most everybody you see reading the weather on your local newscast, they're exactly that. They're weather readers. They're not weather scientists, for the record. Okay, well... One guy we haven't made, uh, we haven't talked about today is Quinn Ewers. I mean, I need to get your take on where you stand with one Quinn Ewers right now. Sure. Real quick before we do that, though, Buck, need to uh, give some love to a couple more sponsors. That includes Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals. Go see our friends at Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals to help you tackle any job that you may have. They offer an extensive selection of rental equipment for everything from small home projects to large construction jobs. They've got all the biggest brands like Still, Hustler, Toro, Walker, DeWalt, and more. Brandon Mars, he is our guy, Buck. I remember meeting him for the very first time at a Texas OU game. He is a huge Longhorn fan. I love this dude. You will love him, too, if you ever get the chance to interact with him. Huge supporter of the Mullet Open. Huge supporter and then you know well when those chainsaws were up there and you said, what the hell do I need with a chainsaw? A year later, we had the Revenant outside and you're like, where the hell is that chainsaw now? I need that chainsaw. 
Yes. That's right. The last time I saw Brandon was actually at this year's Mullet Open. And they're Austin's number one source for all your equipment, rental, sales, and supply needs. Been doing so for almost 30 years now, since 1996. They have two Austin area locations, one in Anderson Square up north, the other on South First Street down south. You can also visit topgun.net, Gun. They'll shoot you straight, Buck. And we also do need to give some love to Wood. Woods, excuse me. Not going to go Charlie Strong and go singular on the plural. Woods Comfort Systems, celebrating 60 years of providing top quality plumbing and HVAC services. Our friends at Woods Comfort Systems are dedicated to keeping you comfortable in every season, Bucky. They handle AC maintenance, repair, and installation, heater repair and service, furtness, maintenance, and installation, ductwork, attic insulation, and they have all your plumbing services as well. You can go to woodscomfortsystems.com, ask for David. That phone number is 512-842-5066. That's 512-842-5066. Make sure to tell them you heard about them on Texas Sports Unfiltered Wood Comfort Systems, where comfort is our middle name. I love those folks there because this is what my home is built with Woods Comfort uh, Systems is inside my home. Been very, very comfortable. And whenever I feel like there's any kind of problems. I make the call to David and Travis comes out here and he gets done lickety split. He is in and he is out. And I've not had a plumbing issue with the exception of somebody tell me $33,000 to put a bathroom upstairs and you're upstairs, which I'll use 10 buckets, but I love those folks over at Woods and they're big supporters of not only this, but Lake Travis football also too. So I love the folks at Woods Comfort Center. Great sure. beer. And then one more quick shout out to Allstat Beer. You know the slogan, no impurities, no regrets. Allstatbeer.com, available in HEB specs, total wine, and twin liquors throughout the state of Texas. I know people all over the place now, well beyond Austin, who love Allstat. I'll go to their place. They'll ask if I want a beer. Occasionally, I'll say yes. And yeah, oftentimes, they'll pull out that Allstat beer. They've got that beautiful facility just east of Fredericksburg between Johnson city where all the wineries are. And as you're getting into Fredericksburg, it is massive. I want to stop by there at some point. BK's talked about doing a, uh, a watcher slash listener event at that Allstat brewery. Make sure to grab yourself some at all the places I just mentioned, Allstat beer, no impurities, no regrets. And Bucky, you were asking me about Quinn Ewers and what my expectations are for him this year. Is that right? Yes, I was, my friend. Yes. So my expectations with Quinn Ewers this year is that he shows that he truly has figured it out, but not just that, he has rededicated himself to the sport of football. You just talked about this with Deshaun Watson. When you sit out an entire year, how much does it throw off your overall development? And these are different situations, mind you. When you're a professional and you are no longer considered a young adult, then all of a sudden I think that year off does make a big difference because you have a hard time catching back up with the speed of the game. For Quinn Ewers, because he is still an adolescent with that developing mind and body, uh, he would be able to do so. But that requires oftentimes taking your lumps, which Quinn Ewers certainly did last year. We were all so high on him after the first couple games of the year, even though he gets hurt in game two against Alabama on that very first series, comes back for the Texas OU game, lights that game on fire, lights the Cotton Bowl on fire, but it was a lot of struggles after that. 
until the bowl game where it looked like he was making a big difference in his dietary habits, if nothing else. That has continued this offseason. And on top of a refocused Quinn Ewers, we also have what is arguably one of the best wide receiving cores, not just in the Big 12, but in the entire country, too. If the offensive line can continue to take those positive steps forward, which we have no reason to believe that's not going to happen, and a decent run game, and you know Steve Sarkeesian, even if he doesn't have that obvious stud back there, always make sure to get at least one guy the football. He consistently has 1,000-yard rushers. That does help take some of the pressure off the quarterback position, too. I think Quinn Ewers is in line for a huge season. Will he end up as the conference player of the year? Yeah, that's absolutely a possibility. And if he does that, by the way, Texas will most certainly be playing in a Big 12 championship game at Jerry World in early December with a possibility of a college football playoff spot on the line. Yeah, I I expect him to lead this team to uh, the Big 12 championship game. I don't know about a championship. Just get me to the championship. I don't know about winning a championship, but get me in that game. And I expect this this young man, not kid anymore, to lead this football team there. He's got all the tools. Uh, He's he's coached well enough. The third year for Steve Sarkeesian, you can talk about his 500 deal. This is time for him. This is time for them all to rise with each other. I think the team is talented enough in all the different positions, especially at the wide receiver position, where it really is going to matter for Quinn Ewers. I think you'll see him his growth this season. I see. I think you'll see the growth. I think the defense will continue to grow. I think they're they're capable. I think the secondary secondary will be Trey one of the best secondaries in the country by midway point of the football season. I think they're not only going to be the best in the Big 12, I think they'll be one of the best secondaries in the country because of what's going to happen up front. I, I mean, I believe in the defense. I like what I saw last year. I don't think you start taking steps back and you work so hard to take a step forward the way they did last year. I think it only continues to go forward, and they just keep adding pieces and great talent, you know, like the recruit that they just got at defensive end. I think that just continues to go forward. I expect the quarterback to be the leader of this whole gang. I expect to see him, you know, lead on the sidelines on the football field, you know, uh, in the media room. I love the way he handled the media at Big 12 event. I thought he he talked as if he was ready to take it on. Give it to me now. Last year it was, okay, I'm going to take it, but I really don't want it. I don't want all this attention on me. I'm kind of young. I don't want it on me. And I think this coaching staff just said, okay, we're putting it on you. Let's let you ride. I don't know if that was maybe not a mistake, but they just thought he was that talented. But he mentally wasn't ready for it. Well, it was was a deliberate move by Sark because there was a point in the year where not only was there maybe a conversation to be had, there was a good argument for Hudson Card taking over. Sure. His team was serious about winning football games. Now, I'm not suggesting that Sark was tanking necessarily, but he was also being deliberate and forcing Quinn Ewers to take his lumps and go through those hard times because Sark understands, like so many other successful people do, that – it requires you going through the downs and learning those necessary lessons to eventually accomplish greatness. Yeah, I, I, I would agree in that. I mean, he's, he's a quarterback himself. He's been a quarterback coach. But the necessities for not only the quarterback is the necessities for the team. You have to win games. You're supposed to be doing what's best for the team, not just what for the quarterback and what your future is going to be like because – that future is the next quarterback and the next quarterback, and they'll recruit another quarterback this year and another one the following year. You have to do what's best for the team. And now in the year number three, it's time for this team 
to start winning games, to start winning meaningful games. Yeah, re- regardless of what happens this year, because maybe that strategy does work off uh, work out for him, mm-hmm. I will always think that it was a mistake for Steve Sarkeesian to not make a change at quarterback at a certain point in the second half of the season. Because if they'd done that, Buck, and they'd even gotten adequate play out of Hudson Card, which, by the way, think back to what Hudson Card was doing over the course of those handful of games. He was not just a game manager. He was actually making plays sure. for this offense and helping them win games. If they had been even average at quarterback in the second half of the season, they probably would have been playing for a Big 12 championship. You're right. You're right. They had those 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 losses in the fourth quarter. But I think they all mature this year. I think this is – and but I know we we're talking about one player in particular, but he's got to make all the others around him rise too. And they're doing a good job at that. I think all these different positions are getting better and better, you know, but you only have so many years, you know, you got four or five years at a place. You, you can't wait eight years to get better. The time doesn't lend itself to be that way. You have to get good. And year number three, I expect this coaching staff, this particular quarterback to be a real, real leader of this football team. And I think they can get it done. I think they can know less than play in the championship game. I know there are people who are saying, no, they have to win the championship game for it to be a successful season. I think to get to that championship game before they go to the Big 12 is huge. Not, not, not to be the fourth place or the third place team that came close and it was only a touchdown away or a bad call away or some officiating call away. No, they need to be in that football game, no excuses at all about why you didn't get there. Yeah, very little in this world is truly binary. And there is a gray area in terms of them not making to that championship game and it being understandable or explainable. But it's a sliver of gray there. Essentially something like, I don't know, a crazy rash of injuries where you have half your starters out or something. But that is a very, very rare circumstance. I'm with you. If this team isn't playing for a Big 12 championship, even if they don't win that regular season title, the season is a disappointment. We need to get back to those expectations. And that's not to say if they don't make it to the Big 12 championship game that Steve Sarkeesian should lose his job because I think that right. might be an overreaction also. Now, if they go five and seven, then all bets are off at that point. But if they go sure. eight and four, nine and three, and just miss out on a Big 12 championship game experience, but you see with your eyeballs more signs of improvement considering all that will be coming back next year too, you do give him that that next season. But at that point we are on a little bit of a, uh, a hot seat watch for Steve Sarkeesian, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully they're playing for a big 12 championship win or lose. That is more positive steps for this coaching staff and the program on the whole heading into year one of sec play. Well, that means that this is, this will be the most talented team that takes the field in the big 12 every week. They will have the most talent out of all of the teams, but it's not the first time that Texas has had that before, right. but Will it be the most talented coaching staff? I think that's what we'll find out this year. All the different moves that they've made, they've kept, kept a bunch of coaches together. They've added pieces, you know, through the coaches transfer portal, you know, with Gary Patterson and the others that have come here now. They've done enough of that now. Now, can they coach? Can they coach? There's no doubt about it because we've seen it before at the University of Texas where they've had good enough players to play for championships, but did they have good enough coaching at that time? Where in three year number three, they've recruited well enough. They've got enough of the good coaches within the program themselves. Can they coach? Can they these can they coach these players not to make the mistakes in the fourth quarter? Can they call plays that work despite what the players are about? 
can they can they scheme up something where some guy is wide ass open for a touchdown that wins a game instead of giving up a third and six where the guy runs around the corner and gets a first down? Are they good enough coaches that the players understand what they're trying to coach in them and get that done? This is it for me for them. Uh, or if it's if it's like you said, if it to, if to me if it's eight and four or even nine and three, I'm going to look at next year as this group being, hey, welcome to the SEC, Mississippi State. That, I mean, seriously, in my mind, that's what I look at. If this group doesn't beat everybody in the Big 12, there's nobody in the Big 12 that should beat them. That second game looms is huge. Now, I'm not saying it, it's not a successful season if, 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 they lose to, if they lose to Alabama and they may lose another game if they lose two games. I mean, it's a good season, but it's not the kind of season, in my mind, that I think they should be at right now. They should be winning the Big 12 championship or at least going to the Big 12 championship game. You know, I was a part of going – starting in the Big 12 and winning that first one, these, this group is the group that needs to be the one who plays in it on the way out. They have that kind of talent. But do yeah. that have that kind of coaching. That'll just help build up momentum sure. for the very first year in the SEC. But let's also have short memories with that too. Let's remember how good it feels to reach that point, but also understand that means absolutely nothing for year one in a much better oh, no. conference can think back to this, and I feel like, was it you and BK who were talking about this yesterday? Texas A&M, they, uh, they had a really good first year in the SEC. Missouri won the very first two uh, SEC East division titles. Yeah, yeah, the first two, right, yeah. Played in that uh, SEC championship game, ended up getting pounded in that game, but they actually had early successes in that conference but weren't able to sustain it. The Texas Longhorns need to be focused right now on recruiting in a way where you are playing into the strengths of this conference and ready to deal with other team strengths. That obviously starts with the offensive and defensive lines. I feel really good about that for the Longhorns right now and the overall direction that they're headed with those things. So it is about building that confidence up now and learning how to win those close games in the fourth quarter, which we saw far too many examples of them not doing that last season. Correct. Yeah, they need to be the ones winning those games. They need to be calling the plays that win those games next year. And the guys need to execute those plays. And they need to get to the point where you don't get to the fourth corner. You need to get to the point where, you know, two or two drives won't make a difference, you know, to your opponents. You've already got game in hand. You'd have to do something colossal in order to lose the game. You'd have to be, you'd have to do something just basically stupid. That's the reason why you lost the game. Your game should start being well in hand. And I think this may be the year in the Big 12 that they get that. I don't see all these games as close games. I see this team as just going, getting themselves prepared, getting themselves better, and they're getting on that that little that snowball going down that hill effect towards the end of the season where the, the games like where I'm horrified of in my mind, the Texas Techs of the world, even at home, the Baylors at the very end, become games where that's just another team that we're about to knock the shit out of. Let's go. We're trying to get up there to Jerry's world, so let's just move along here. Let's not be worried in the fourth quarter. Let's not have two or three little plays and make a difference. But some, you know, as you said, things happen during a football season. Now, I, I argued with BK yesterday a little bit about the fact that if Quinn Ewers is healthy, but all of a sudden he disappears in three games, I don't expect him to be losing those three games. I don't expect him to be losing one out of those three games in the Big 12. I expect the next guy, the next young guy who's ready to play will be ready to play, and the other groups will help them rise to the occasion now. Guess I what? That's how I feel. Guess what, Buck? We're through two hours. Oh, no. We got to go. Yo. Thank you, man. Well, I, well, we'll 
You start. You're on here this afternoon. Is BK going to join you this afternoon, my friend? No, 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 no. He is temporary hobo status right now. It'll be from 12 to 1 today. We'll talk some sports and probably get into some random things that have nothing to do with sports. But life is a sport, mofo. Yes, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And thank you so very much for being with me this morning. I do appreciate that. Always a pleasure. And we need to get ourselves together so you and I will be doing some stuff in the afternoon. Give me about an hour and I can, you know, get back with you and and do some stuff in the hour, uh, in, in an hour or so. So I'm looking forward to that, Trey. And, and once again, thank you so much. Thank you to our audience. We'll be right back at it on Sundays. But during the football season, we may be right back at it on Saturdays, too, for folks to understand. That's right. So we will see you bright and early. I'll see you uh, sometime during this weekend. I'll talk to you also. And for the audience out there, thank you for joining us here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Hook them.